The Precinct Omega Weekly Podcast is supported by Horizon Wars Zero Dark, sci-fi skirmish war games in a fallen earth. Visit wargamevault at wargamevault.com and search for Zero Dark. It's Friday the 6th of August, my name is Roby Jenkins, welcome to the Precinct Omega podcast and this is one of those weeks where I step away from the news and talk about some aspect of life in gaming and I might talk about the industry, I might talk about design and this week I'm talking about planning my games for the year ahead. So, you know, for the last 12 months, naturally, uh, gaming has been a challenging endeavour. And those of us who've written games that can be played solo have, have found it quite a, uh, a good time in many ways. There's been a lot of interest in solo games, but now all over the world, the vaccination programs are rolling out. People are starting to ease up on lockdowns and restrictions. And so we're thinking about getting back to gaming and specifically gaming with other people. You know, getting down to our friendly local gaming store or out to the clubs or getting together in people's garages and rooms and, and actually throwing some dice, moving some miniatures around and, and really getting back into the swing of social gaming. And it's going to be a really interesting time because obviously those of us that, that were already enthusiasts are really looking forward to getting back to it. Um, and also because lockdown has been a chance for lots of people to rediscover a love of tabletop gaming um, and particularly miniatures war games uh, has really sort of drawn a lot of people who who kind of felt like they grew out of it to rediscover the hobby as an adult and that's fantastic uh, we're really looking forward to welcoming them into our community and showing them our best face but for me as a designer and a publisher I have to think very carefully about what I play. I mean, on the one hand, obviously, yes, I want to play my own games. But on the other hand, if I'm not playing other games as well, what am I learning? What am I getting out of it? And, you know, if I'm only ever playing my games, then then nine times out of ten, I'm just playing introductory games. I'm just playing a game to show somebody how to play the game. But I, I want to have the chance that... that you guys have who are, who are not designers and not publishers to to discover a new game to rediscover an old favorite to get back into a community where it's all about learning the rules finding those synergies and exciting twists and and really participating fully in the hobby so my plan for the next 12 months starting on my arbitrarily chosen date in which I am returning to tabletop games uh, of the 9th of August. So for the 12 months from the 9th of August, I am going to try and focus on three games, in addition to my own games, obviously. So I'm focusing on, on three games, but which games to choose? Uh, and, and I thought it would be interesting to, to really work through my decision process, to really sort of brainstorm my options, to talk through how I'm reaching my decisions, and to sort of put that on screen for you guys to see. So there are five criteria from which I am going to be judging uh, my choice of three games. 
And the first one is fun. Fun is the absolute number one non-negotiable aspect. I have to think a game is going to be fun. Once I play it, it's got to be fun. If it's not, I am going to drop it like a wet sock. Um, it, fun, there's this saying which I, I like uh, to, to throw around. When it comes to miniature war games, especially miniature war games, the objective is to win. But the point is to have fun. And, and that's an attitude that I always try to bring to the table. You know, I'm going to do my best to learn this game, to, to build the right kind of army, to, to play the game smart, and to go for victory. Always. I'm always going to play for victory. But at the same time, I want to have fun, but I also want to make sure that my opponent is having fun. And if... If my relentless pursuit of victory is going to mean that my opponent is having a miserable time, I'll ease back on that a bit and make sure I'm doing something that is going to engage them and give them the satisfaction of participating in the game. Now, a well-designed game will not ask you to do that. In a well-designed game, if somebody is pursuing victory as intently as you are, they should have fun. But there are definitely games where that doesn't happen so much. And you can get into a sort of a runaway position where after a turn and a half, it's clear who's going to win this game. And the other person is just going through the motions of giving them the satisfaction of the win. Uh, and I think that's a shame. That's, that's not, a, not a good feature of a well-designed game. But we're also talking now about face-to-face -face games. So fun in a face-to-face -face game isn't just about the game. It's also about the person you choose to play against. And I'm happy and pleased that I know a lot of really good people in my local community who are a lot of fun to play games with. They're, they're committed and they're interested, but they're not rules lawyers. They don't win at all costs. Um, and the one thing I think I'm going to be trying to make a, a sort of a personal rule over when it comes to playing opponents in the next 12 months is I'm going to make a thing about asking people not to vape at the table. Uh, I've, I've always been pretty chill about that in the past. Um, and I've been happy to play people who are definitely not who are smoking, but people who are vaping, I've kind of gone, yeah, 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 that's fine. But, you know, I've, I, I found it's not pleasant for me. It, it settles in my throat, it irritates my, my sinuses regardless, plus... I mean, the smell's vastly better than cigarette smoke, but it's it's still not great. So, you know, I'm, I am going to make a point of saying to people, can you not vape at the table, because that's interfering with my fun. So there we go, number one. Obviously, the game I choose has nothing to do with whether someone's vaping or not. I just thought I'd mention that. Right, number two, I want a game that is innovative. I want a game that is interesting, that's going to capture my intellectual uh, curiosity as much as it is going to give me a good time on the tabletop. So innovation is important. So I'm looking for games that have got a reputation for being something different, trying something new, for really exploring the game space that, that we all play in. That's number two, innovation. Number three is a big one. Number three is price. So I don't have a lot of money to throw at this hobby. Um, and, and price of, includes time. You know, my hobby time is mostly dedicated to... Um, miniatures and photography and playtesting for my games. I don't have a lot of time to put into prepping for a new game. So 
it's going to be important to me whether I already own the miniatures and terrain and uh, other peripherals that I need to play a game. If I'm going to have to dump a lot of money into something and a lot of my time to get stuff painted up and ready for the game, it's not going to score so highly for me. Now that's very subjective because different people have got you know different understandings of what counts as a big investment of either money or time. And of course, I have a large miniatures collection. You know, there are miniatures I already own, and if I already own the miniatures for a game, odds are it's going to be cheaper for me to play. But this is this is my choice, not your choice. Price is important to me, so I'm putting that on the table. Uh, number four, local scene. There needs to be some form of local scene for a game for me to get. I, I don't have that time and the energy to build a community for a game from scratch. Uh, I, I just don't have it in me. So, you know, if there's no local scene, you know, I'm, I'm almost certainly not going to get into the game unless there's something really outstanding about the game that I'm prepared to make that commitment. And lastly, the national scene. Now, I am interested, not definitely committed, but I'm interested in getting into the tournament scene more for my games of choice, uh, assuming there is one. Just because it's a way to get outside your local community, see a different way that the game might be played, meet new people, make new friends, make contacts around the country. It's always good fun uh, getting out there onto the national tournament scene. And like I said, fun is my number one priority. And if there's a good national tournament scene that I can participate in, then I, I think that's going to contribute to my overall fun of the game. Plus, the great thing about getting involved in a national tournament scene is it does mean that you play the game more. So not only do you go on the day and usually play three, four, five games, but also there's that sort of that training mentality when you're preparing for a tournament, you want to play more and it motivates you to make sure you get games onto the table. So if there's a tournament scene, I feel like I'll be more engaged with my choices. So good thing to go for. So those are my five criteria. We've got fun, innovation, price, the existence of a local scene and the existence of a national tournament scene. My five criteria, and I'm going to score each of those on a scale of one to five for each of my games. Now, there's a lot of guesswork here because quite a few of these games I've not played before. So I'm kind of basing it on the reputation that I've heard about the game, what I know about the designer, what I know about previous games that have been published by the same company, that kind of thing. So, so there is a certain amount of finger in the air here, and none of these decisions or scores are final. That's the other thing to say, that although this is a commitment for the next 12 months, for the first few months I am absolutely open to the idea that if I am not enjoying a game, or I just can't find opponents, I'm going to drop it. I'm going to ditch it and I'm going to pick something up. So my list is going to include my top three choices, plus my reserve choices that could step in and take the space of any of my top three if they just aren't working out. So let's take a look at my choices. Okay, first up, Infinity the Game. 
Infinity is obviously a game that I have played in the past. I played the game in second edition. I played the game in third edition. It's now in its fourth edition, and I haven't played the game yet. But in addition to there being a fourth edition, there's also this stripped-down entry-level version of the game they're calling Code 1. And I really like that, because in third edition, I found that Infinity was just getting too big. There was too much to know. There was too much to learn. There were too many fiddly little edge cases and weird fringe rules that, if you didn't understand them, could really trip you up. And the idea of a stripped-down version in Code 1 is very appealing. There is, There was quite a good local scene, and it's died down. Unsurprisingly, everything's died down over the last 12 months. But even before lockdown, the local Infinity scene was kind of winding down. But I know there are still people out there who have armies. I know there are still people out there who are interested in the game. I reckon if I said, hey guys, let's get Infinity going again that people would be prepared to jump in and do that. But there is a fly in my ointment, and that is Code 1. I would prefer, I think, to play Code 1, but the army I've spent the last 10 years collecting is Hakislam, and Hakislam doesn't appear yet in the Code 1 rules. It's just Panoshanya, Yujing, uh, Aristea, and Nomads. That's all you've got. Oh, and O12. I'm not even sure if Yujing is in No, I'm sure Yujing is in there, but O12 is definitely in there. So Hack Islam is not yet in O12, not yet in Code 1. So do I drop my choice of Hack Islam and go for a different army? I've got like a small Yujing force, but they're not my favourites. And I have been very tempted by O12 because I do like the look of their miniatures. So I could buy into Code 1 with a new army, but of course, that's going to impact my price score. On the plus side, though, for Infinity, all the rules are free. The army builder tool is free. I've got everything else I need for the game. I've got all the train, I've got the mats, I've got the counters, got everything. All I would need is new miniatures. That's a big plus. So my score for Infinity, the game, then. Uh, fun, I'm giving it a four. I, as I said, I haven't played the new edition yet, but I have always enjoyed the game. Um, it has never been flawless, fun-wise, um, and there has occasionally been a tendency for the game to get to run out of control so that one person is dominating. But it's pretty unusual, and, and I've had very few bad games of Infinity, so I'm going to give it a strong 4 out of 5. Uh, innovation. Now, admittedly, this is the 4th edition of the game and you know compared to the third edition it's not that innovative but infinity has always been a game that well there is nothing else quite like it that does it the way they do it and it has up till the end of third edition been a game that really sort of encouraged an immersive experience in the game so i'm going to give it a, a strong innovation score as well of four price i'm going to score it three for price um, if I could play Hacker's Lamp in Code 1, I would probably score it 4. Mainly because I'm bound to buy some new stuff, because there are some new minis out that look really good. Um, but I don't need new minis if I could play Code 1 with Hacker's Lamp. Uh, if I'm not going to play Code 1, I would probably ding it on the fun side, but I'd raise it on the price. But if I'm going to play Code 1, I would keep the price up and I've dinged it on the price score. 
So I'm scoring it three for price. Local scene, I'm going to give a two to because I know there are people around who've got armies who would get back into the game if there was someone telling them they should. And national scene, I'm going to score it three because there has always been a strong national tournament scene for Infinity and that hasn't really changed. Obviously, during lockdown, nothing's been going on, but I'm expecting that to pick up quite quickly over the next 12 months. So total score for Infinity the game, fourth edition, out of the possible 25 is 16. Next up is another Corvus Belly game, which is Aristea. Now Aristea, of course, is a miniatures board game, but that's fine. I'm including it for the purposes of this list. Again, I already own the game. I already know the game. I've got lots of miniatures. I've got all of the counters and peripherals that I need. I only know one other keen local player who would be happy to sit down with me on a regular basis. So it's not going to do so well on that score unless I can persuade some other people to get in. It's got an okay tournament scene nationally, though. It tends to ride on the coattails of Infinity. So wherever there's an Infinity tournament happening, odds are there'll be an Aristea tournament either at the same time or with the same people at a different time. Uh, again, I already own most of the minis available for Aristea. There are some new releases out that I could add to my collection, but I don't have to. So overall, Aristea is scoring three for fun. Um, it's a good game, but fact is I'm not very good at it. Uh, and, and that's no reflection on the game. That's entirely a reflection on me. But it does mean that, that when I'm losing a lot, I, I have less fun. Uh, perhaps that's small-minded of me, but that is the case. Uh, consistently losing a game does tend to drain the fun from me. But I have played good games. Um, I do enjoy the games that I play. I'm giving it a three for fun. Innovation, I'm giving it a strong four. There, I mean, until Overdrive came out, there was really no other game on the market quite like Aristea. There are other sci-fi and fantasy uh, games along those lines that are, are arena combat board games, but Aristea just does things differently to pretty much anyone else. So it's scoring strong for innovation. For price, I'm giving it a four. Again, I already own the game. In fact, I own two copies of the game. Uh, I already own all the, most of the miniatures, and there's no obligation on me to buy any more. So, strong score for price. Local scene, I'm giving it a one, and that's generous. As I say, I know one other player who'd like to play it again. If I could get anybody else into the game, we'll see. National score, I'm giving it two, because I know there is a national scene for the tournament market, and it kind of rides along with Infinity. So that's a total score for Aristea of 14 out of a possible 25. So not as high as Infinity the game, but nothing to be sniffed at. Next one I'm going to throw out might surprise some people, and that is Kill Team, the new edition. Now, obviously I haven't played it, no one's played it, but... There's no question this is going to be a popular game. And initial signs are that Games Workshop is genuinely doing something new and interesting with the rules. So I'm quite keen to get on board. And, ah, I mean, I would love an excuse to paint more 40k. There is not a chance in hell I'm going back to Warhammer 40,000. 
But, you know, I can look on the website. Right now, there's very little on Games Workshop's website for Kill Team, except a list of existing boxed sets that they think are good for Kill Team. And there are definitely some tempting choices in there that I would be happy to get my hands on and I would enjoy painting. So, it's definitely on the list. Um, I'm going to give it some uh, provisional scores, though. For fun, I'm going to provisionally score it quite high. I'm going to give it a provisional score of four. Uh, I like skirmish games, I like the 40k setting, and if it genuinely is as innovative and interesting as they are pitching it, I think it's going to be a fun game. But, obviously, that score could come down. And for innovation, I'm going to give it a three. Maybe that's ungenerous of me, uh, but it is Games Workshop. They are not renowned for doing risky stuff. So even though they say they've built this game from scratch, from the ground up, and all the rules are new and it's very innovative, I think Games Workshop's definition of very innovative and mine are on a different level. So again, provisional, but uh, I'm giving it a three. Then price. Do you know, I'm looking at my notes here, and I can see I've priced it at two. I think that was generous. Um, I mean, I do own minis. I, I own a very small collection of Gene Steelers and a handful of Space Marines. I could probably do a Gene, Ke Gene Stealer Cult Force, but do I want to? And I've got the mat, I've got the train, I've got the dice... All right, all right. We'll call it two. Two is fine. If I wanted to buy one more box of miniatures for it, that's fine. But that is assuming I don't have to buy an expensive rule book. I don't have to buy expensive faction books. I don't have to buy some kind of activation deck or custom dice or anything like that because that price, that score could definitely go down depending on what Kill Team looks like when it's released. Local scene for Kill Team. Well, I've given it a 5. Um, 40k is very popular locally, as it is all over the world in our community. So I have every reason to believe that Kill Team is going to be a popular game. So I don't think I could score it any lower than 5. Nationally, um, mm, I'm going to give it a 4 on the assumption that it's a game that's playable on a tournament basis. That you could play the game competitively. I hope I'm right. Uh, and if I am, I'm sure there'll be a healthy national uh, tournament scene. So I'll give it a four. So a lot of these scores are very provisional for Kill Team right now, but it's coming out with a score of 18, which is pretty massive. Um, it's only real ding being on price. But of course, all those scores, especially for fun, innovation and price, could go way down when the game itself releases, which I think is this month. Um, might be September. Can't remember. Anyway, I'll keep my eye on it. If it looks good, it looks like it's going to be on my list. What other options have I got? Next on my list is Dead Zone. Now, I talked about Dead Zone last week uh, in the context of uh, Mantic and the release of Overdrive, which, incidentally, I, I'm not interested in. Um, Dead Zone I am interested in. I played it. Back when it was released, I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, I didn't like the miniatures so much, but Mantic has raised their game when it comes to the miniatures. They've got some really nice new miniatures released. Um, I, of course, have got Star Saga, and I reckon I could repurpose the miniatures to Dead Zone. The big downsides on Dead Zone are you do need the special mat, you do need the special terrain, and there's nobody locally playing the game. So I would have to put work in getting people together to play that game. So for fun, I'm going to score Dead Zone 4. I've played it, it was a huge amount of fun, I really enjoyed it. For innovation, I'm going to score it big again. This is going to get a full five. I think of all the games on this list, it is by far the most innovative. The only game here that really went back and reimagined what tabletop skirmish gaming could be from scratch. Uh, for price, I'm going to give it a two. It could be lower than that. If I can repurpose my Star Saga minis then I think two is a good price. I'd have to buy the mat, I'd have to buy the terrain. Doesn't bother me. I mean, who can't use a three foot by three foot neoprene mat now and then? And more terrain? Ah, I'm not going to complain about more terrain in my collection. I can always use it. Uh, it's a one-off cost. I can swallow that if I've already got the minis. So scoring it two for price. Local scene, though, is a flat zero. There is no one I know that is playing, that is interested in playing. I don't even know if anybody locally even owns the game already, so we shall see. And on a national scene, I've generously scored it a two. I know that Mantic runs tournaments themselves at their headquarters. I don't know how often, and I don't know if anybody is running independent Dead Zone tournaments. So there's not a huge national scene. It might have been a one. Um, but I've been generous. I've called it a two, and that gives it a total score of 13. Next on my list is Warcaster Neo Mechanica. Now, it may surprise people to see that on my list, because I've... I mean, I've historically, I have been quite rude about Privateer Press. But... I've always loved their miniatures design. I just have. I mean, I've loved the designs for War Machine since I first saw my first Warjack. Way back. Way back in, what, 2000? 99? Something like that. It must have been 2000. Yeah. Uh, 2001. Ah, one or the other. Anyway, I remember Wargaming Shop in Aldershot. I was just out of Sandhurst. First posting. And I visited a local Wargame shop. Yeah, must have been early 2000, and I saw War Machine on the shelf the first time, and I was like, these are just awesome. Um, and I've always loved their miniatures design. The new Neo Mechanica miniatures are lovely, just beautiful. I mean, not all of them are wins, they don't all speak to me, but there are enough that do that I could definitely see myself getting into it. That said, it is a derivative game. It's derivative from War Machine, obviously, but War Machine itself... It is a derivative game. That's not to say it doesn't have anything new, or it didn't when it was new. It didn't have anything new or interesting or, or uh, imaginative in it. All games do. But in terms that it was pitching itself very much towards an established mindset within Wargaming, it, it was quite derivative, and Neo Mechanica is built on pretty much the same architecture. There is zero local interest. I have not seen any sign of a national scene yet. I would have to buy 
completely new minis. I, I'll be honest, although it attracted my attention, I think it's not going to score well. For fun, I can only base this on my experience of playing War Machine. I did not find War Machine a fun experience at all. Um, I'm going to assume that Neo Mechanic is better, and I'm going to give it a 2. Uh, for innovation, I'm going to give it a 3. Um, although, as I say, I didn't find War Machine that innovative, it does do some new stuff, but it's not break out of the park new. Uh, for price, I'm going to give it a 0, because I would have to buy in pretty heavy to get on the game at this point. Local scene is a 0, national scene is a 1. There's not much going on locally or nationally on uh, Warcaster just yet. That brings it in at a fairly dismal score of 6, so I think Warcaster is going to be off my radar for at least the next 12 months. But we'll have a look next year. Unsurprisingly, another one on my list is Bushido. This is another game that I've spoken about a few times. I have played it a long time ago. I really enjoyed it, but I've never committed to it in any strong way. But I love its aesthetic. It's got an up-and-coming reputation. There's no local scene per se, but I could imagine there are a few people locally that might have bought starter sets and would be interested in getting it on the table. Um, and plus, because they've got this very cheap starter set, I don't think it would be that hard to persuade people to buy in if I told them I was going to go in hard on it. There is a growing national scene, there is a tournament scene to get involved in, the starter set is pretty cheap, and I think I've pretty much got everything else you need to play. So, uh, for fun, from what I remember of the game, I'm going to give it a 3. It was a good experience, it didn't blow me away. For innovation, again, a three. Um, I could revise that up or down, but again, based on my recollection of the game and the rules, that's where I think I'd put it. For price, I'm going to score it a two. Um, I would have to buy an all-new army, and I would have to paint them, but the armies are small. They start from three people and work upwards. Maybe I could have been more generous on the price, but I don't actually own any already. Well, no, that's not true. I own one. Um, but it wasn't a miniature I was planning on using in Bushido, so uh, two for now. The local scene doesn't exist, but I think it could get started, so I'm going to give that a one. And the national scene scores better on a three. That gives Bushido a total score of 12. Not bad, but not great. Back to Games Workshop for my next option is Necromunda. Now, it's a 40k derivative game. I've played it a lot. Never really enjoyed it. The new edition is better, but still leaves a certain amount to be desired in terms of fun and innovation. There is a great local scene for Necromunda, though, and nationally, eh, there's no tournament side. The Necromunda that I've seen, so the national game doesn't really happen. It's local campaigns or nothing. The other upside for Necromunda is potentially any miniatures could be repurposed for Kill Team, and I do already own a Necromunda gang. It's not finished, but at least I've got it in hand. 
So for scoring, I'm going to give it a 3 for fun. Um, it is 40k derivative, but it is better than 40k. Uh, for innovation, I'm going to give it a 2. Again, 40k derivative. For price, though, I'm going to score it 4. There isn't a lot of additional bells and whistles required for Necromunda once you've got your gang. And I've got all the terrain that I could possibly desire. Uh, local scene is strong. I'm going to give that a 3. Now, there's nobody playing it right now, but I know pretty much everybody in my club owns a gang. I'm sure I could find two or three people to get into a campaign if they wanted to. Uh, national scene, though, is, I mean, it's played all over the country, but you'd struggle to find a tournament scene for Necromunda. I'm going to give it a 1. That brings Necromunda in at 13, which is kind of halfway. The next game on my radar is Spectre. Uh, Spectre has been on my kind of just below my event horizon of interest for a long time. I love its ultra-modern aesthetic, that near future, uh, this could happen feel to the game. I know for a fact that there are several local fans, so we could definitely get some local play, but I don't think there's much of a national scene yet for Spectre. I do, however, already own a fair number of minis, and I know that new minis are reasonably priced, and they are quick and easy to paint. So, Spectre is going to score me a 3 for fun and a 3 for innovation. Now, I have not read the rules. So, that is kind of finger in the air, could go up, could go down. But... This is based on the reviews I've read and other people's battle reports. That's kind of where I think it sits in things. For price, though, I'm going to give it a 4. I already own the miniatures. I already own all the terrain I could need for it. And I understand that it's pretty low ask when it comes to time to table. The local scene, I'm going to score 3. It's not a huge local scene, but I know there are local people just around the corner from me, who already own the stuff and who want to get into the game, so I'm pretty sure I could get regular games on the table. But national scene, as far as I know, it's a big fat zero. Overall then, Spectre is scoring 13. Um, credible. Definitely a possible. Next, the Silver Bayonet. I've mentioned the Silver Bayonet a couple of times in the past. This is an unreleased game. It's coming out in October from Osprey, and it's been written by uh, Joseph McCulloch, author of Frostgrave, uh, Stargrave, and Rangers of Shadowdeep. Now, all I really know about the Silver Bayonet is that it is a fantasy Napoleonic skirmish game. And it's a fantasy horror Napoleonic skirmish game. So the idea is that it's uh, the forces of the Napoleonic War fighting against the dark and evil forces of the undead, of Dracula and werewolves and, and uh, monsters of Frankenstein and that kind of stuff. Probably uh, great old one cultists too, if I, if I know Joe. So, I mean, it's right up my street aesthetically. Um, I already own a handful of Napoleonic miniatures that ought to be enough for any reasonable skirmish game. Obviously, there's no local scene, there's no national scene, it's an unreleased game, I know very little about it, but I have faith in the designer, uh, and I already have the miniatures. So, for fun, based on my experience of Joe's other games, I'm going to say it's probably a firm four. For innovation, though, 
little bit lower, probably three. Joe writes some great games, but he does tend to stay in the safe zone. Uh, for price, I'm going to score it five. It's going to be, a, as far as I know, it's a blue book release, so we know the release is going to be cheap to buy the rule book. I don't expect it's going to need much in the way of peripherals, and I already own the miniatures, so it, it couldn't really get cheaper. Um, obviously, I do have to buy the book, but I'm not going to resent Osprey the price of its blue book rules. Local scene, I'm going to give it a one, could be a two. Um, I don't know anybody who's explicitly interested in this game, but I do know quite a few people who do like Napoleonic Skirmish um, and are sympathetic to a pseudo-historical setting. So I, I reckon we could find some people who would be up for a game without too much effort. So going to give it a three. Um, sorry, going to give it a... wrong. Going to give it a one on the local scene, but that, that, that could go up to two. Uh, nationally, though, zero. Fact zero, I, I'm not expecting it to be the kind of game that could be played in a tournament sphere. A um, bit more of a narrative experience, if I know how Joe works. So, total score for the Silver Bayonet, 13. Just got two more, bear with me. The next one, back to Games Workshop again. You can't avoid it. When it comes to popular games, Games Workshop has cornered the market. So, I've put Warcry on the list. Uh, I know there are a lot of local Warcry players. It's a great gateway game to Age of Sigmar, and though I have no plans of pushing over into that, it is a well-supported game on Games Workshop's part. Like their new kill team, it was built more or less from the ground up. It has some interesting and innovative features that don't stray very far from Games Workshop's well-tread territory, but are at least something new to see. Uh, there is a big local scene, there's a big national scene. I don't own any minis. I own one mini, but whether it's for a faction I want to play is entirely another question. Big downside is it does require a ton of new purchases. Um, it does require specific terrain, it does require kind of specific additional miniature purchases in addition to your faction. The factions that are sort of officially sold for Warcry are all the Chaos ones, but there are now books you can buy that will let you bring in the other factions, but do I want to buy an additional £20 book on top of the rule book just to gain access to miniatures that I don't actually own already? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Let's see how it scores. For fun, I'm giving it a 4 for fun. I've not played it, but everybody I've spoken to says it's a good, fun game, and I can't argue with that. For innovation, I'm going to score it the same as Kill Team and give it a 3. For price, though, I'm going to give it a fat 0. I don't own any miniatures, and looking at the Warcry site on Games Workshop's website, it really looks like, I mean, if I'm not prepared to drop at least £100, there's very little point starting this game. Uh, local scene is a three. There hasn't been anybody playing it recently, but again, I'm pretty sure we could kick off uh, some play if I showed interest. Nationally, I'm going to give it a two. Again, I've not seen national tournaments for Warcry, but I can only imagine they definitely, pardon me, I'm pretty sure they exist. So total score for Warcry is coming in at 12. Last one now. Last one. 
I've done a review of this game. It is Starbreach. Uh, I have owned Starbreach for a while, but I'm yet to play it. And basically, as far as I can tell from the rules, compared to the current edition of Kill Team, so the one that hasn't been released yet, it is that, but better. And it will let me use whatever miniatures I like. So, to my mind, it ought to be better than Kill Team. But, could I conceivably get people interested with a new Kill Team edition coming out? Tricky. Uh, so, for fun, I'm going to rate it 4. I think Kill Team and Warcry are both coming in at 4. I see no reason why Star Breach wouldn't be at least as much fun to play as those two. For innovation, though, I'm going to give it a 2. Um, it is a lot closer to the old edition, current edition of Kill Team than it is the new one in terms of design. Uh, price, it scores high on price. I'm giving it a full five. I already own all the miniatures I could possibly desire to own uh, that I could easily put together into some Kill Team uh, forces, and uh, not Kill Team, some Star Breach forces. The only thing I don't have is an opponent, and that is the problem. There is no local scene. Um, I could probably persuade one or two people to have a stab, but are they going to buy the rule book and the custom dice? I don't know. Uh, and nationally, of course, there is nothing happening at all. So despite a strong start on fun terms and price terms, it's only scoring 12. So that's all the games I wanted to look through. Uh, let's do a review and see where they are scoring. My top three scorers are Kill Team, heavily caveated on what the game looks like when it releases, Infinity, probably no surprise, and Aristea. So Corvus Belly is doing well out of this. But I've got some strong joint fourth places. We've got Dead Zone, Spectre, Necromunda and the Silver Bayonet all scoring 13. Now as far as Kill Team goes, I am going to wait until it's released and see what the reviews say. Plus hopefully I will know somebody who's bought it and I reckon I can borrow the rules from them to find out whether it's actually any good. I would love an excuse to get some more 40k back on the table. I could do that with Starbreach, but I know more people are going to be interested in playing Kill Team than they are what amounts to an unknown indie game. Sucks to be me, sucks to be Elijah, that's just the way it is. Um, but if I do get into Kill Team, am I just perpetuating the problem? You know, Be the change you want to see in the world. And although I have nothing against Games Workshop, I would like to see more people playing indie games for entirely selfish and 100% commercial reasons. But be the change you want to see, maybe I shouldn't be getting back into a Games Workshop game at this time. So if I don't play Kill Team, or if it just doesn't live up to expectations, of those joint fourth places, what could take the place of Kill Team? We've got Dead Zone, Spectre, Necromunda, and the Silver Bayonet. Well, I've just said I may not want to play Kill Team because it's just another Games Workshop game, so that kind of puts Necromunda out of the running. Also, I honestly didn't find it that much fun, 
and it's only best in a campaign setting, and it's so hard to keep people committed to a Necromunda campaign long enough to actually make it pay off. So, not Necromunda. Dead Zone. Man, I, I would love to get into Dead Zone. I just don't see anybody locally being prepared to come with me. I'll ask around, and if people disagree, then maybe I'll revise my opinion. So my thoughts are Spectre and the Silver Bayonet. Silver Bayonet, I'm pretty sure I could find people to play with me, but Spectre, I know I could find people to play with me, and I already own miniatures for Spectre. Um, plus, I'd love to buy some more. Uh, they've got some beautiful new releases, and I wouldn't mind an excuse to just add two or three more to my Spectre collection. They're super easy and quick to paint, because they're just small, and they're kind of wearing modern gear, um, so it doesn't have to be elaborate or complex. Um, yeah, I'm thinking at the moment that if I don't go Kill Team, I will go Spectre. I'll keep the Silver Bayonet in my back pocket, I will definitely buy it when it's released in October, uh, but whether it gets table time in the next 12 months, I don't know. We'll see. So that's me. Those are my thoughts on what I'm going to play and why over the next 12 months. Do you think my scores are wildly incorrect? Do you think I should review my opinions on any of the games I've talked about? And do you think there's a game that I've missed? Is there something I should have on my list? Do not mention anything that is going to need me to own more than 10 miniatures to play it. Just say it. Right. Last of all, are you going to be playing any new games in the next 12 months? And if it's Zero Dark or Infinite Dark, please let me know. Um, obviously, I hope everybody's going to be playing Zero Dark in the next 12 months. Uh, or Infinite Dark. Either one would please me enormously. But I know everybody's tastes are different. If there's some other game that you are determined to get on the table in the next 12 months, tell me and let me know how it goes. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Precinct Omega podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I will speak to you again next week. The Precinct Omega Game Design Podcast is supported by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash Precinct Omega to help us continue developing new games and creating hobby content for war games enthusiasts all over the world. <laughs>